Hi, welcome to the Dreamcatchers. We are sisters and business partners, Marissa Klein K and Jamie Klein Stozer. We know a little something about dreaming big. In our day jobs, we run the fashion and media division of our family staffing firm in New York City, Choice Associates. We have built a brand around helping others and good energy. Known in our personal and professional worlds as lightworkers, igniters, and most of all believers, Jamie and I are not only dreamers, but we are doers, and we hope our energy is contagious. On this podcast, we will be chatting to each other and to some of our favorite dream catchers, the people who inspire us not only about career, but about making magic wherever they go. On What's Your Story, we will focus on real people with killer jobs and talk about how they got where they are today. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe now and follow us on social media at Dreamcatchers23 for updates and episodes. Good morning, everyone. Sorry, we're five minutes late. Typical mom style. Always a little bit. It's a little bit delayed. Um, (laughs) Marissa's like, I'm 15. Um, Good morning from the Dreamcatchers. We are um, here this morning with a dear friend and colleague and fellow Fairhavenite. We're so excited. Fellow Mammoth mom. We're very excited to have Maggie here with us today. We're going to ask her to introduce herself in just a second. Just wanted to welcome everyone back to the Dreamcatchers. We are Marissa and Jamie. Today's episode is a What's Your Story? Um, for those that are new to listening to us, we inter- we have three pillars of our podcast. One of is What's Your Story, which is when we interview what we love to call intrapreneurs, right? People that are killing it at their jobs inside a company. And actually, before Maggie even introduces herself, I just want to say when we asked her to be on our podcast and we were confirming her and we were going back and forth with the scheduling and the questions, she wrote, I'm so excited to do this with you guys, even though I'm a nobody. And I just wanted to point out, I wrote this back to her, but I'm going to say it live. Everybody is a somebody. And one of the things that we start, one of the reasons we started the Dreamcatchers is to talk to those folks that are consider themselves nobodies, right? The people out there that are just killing it at their jobs. They don't necessarily get the recognition. They don't necessarily get the highlights and the love. And those are the people, ironically, that we all, right, when we graduate college and when we career shift and when we look for new roles, those are the people we actually need to look at and look for because those are the people that could probably help us. So that's why we like to shine light on folks like Maggie and so happy to have her here today. And she said that by accident, didn't realize I was going to put it into my script. (laughs) Add to that before we have Maggie introduce herself. Well, I wanted to say that it's an honor and a privilege to be here today, sponsored by our friends, the Mammoth Moms, um, which for better or for worse, we're a trifecta. Um, And I'm excited to be sitting down with Maggie, who is not only a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, but also my friend's sister. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And in, in, in this little duo, there are several generations of conversation that will be Oh, you know, Elliot's friend, you know, <laughs> who's Kenzie's cousin. Yeah. And yes. you know, I'm, I think that that speaks volumes to um, like-minded people or vibes attracting tribes. We're very big believers on energy. And I helped your sister before. I met yeah. her several years ago, have always had a soft spot for her. And our girls are close and... Um, you know, as close as we can be in a, in a, right. In this world, global pandemic, I think they call it. Um, anyway, I'm happy to be with you. 
and your hair looks great. Your background is so very Fairhaven. <laughs> um, needless to say, my computer's up and running. And the first thing we ask to any of our guests when we are just warming Wait, up. Wait, let's have Maggie. Let's Maggie introduce Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Yourself. Forgive me. Maggie, you didn't even say your name. Sorry. Oh, Maggie, sorry. Monday, you said it enough. Monday morning. We forget. You said it enough. It's good. I posted <laughs> the family on Rook. I'm knee, I'm knee deep. I'm, I'm just chatting. Uh, I love it. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And good morning. I mean, my name is Maggie Patrie. And um, as these two lovely ladies said, um, I live in Fairhaven and I work in Fairhaven for a company that's actually based in Virginia. Um, I'm a mom to a wonderful five-year-old boy who's good friends with Mr. Elliot Stozer. And um, yeah, I'm just happy to be here and, and share my story and connect and empathize and um, just have a good time. So I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Maggie. Well, I think um, as Marissa was and, about and to we're jump far, ahead into And we're far from nobodies. Right, far from nobody. yes, that's true. Um, okay, so our favorite first question, you know, I, I I was going to insert a joke here. You know what? I'll insert it. I always ask people, our first question is, what did you want to be when you grew up? Right. So like, you know, what is your first memory of what you wanted to be? And my insert little comment here is I'm going to guess it was not a little league coach, which I now realize you also do. I do. Yeah. yeah. Not discuss that when we went back and forth about what teams our boys were on. Oh, by the way, I'm also Teddy's coach. I saw her on the sidelines the other day. I'm like, is that Maggie? She's like covered in like a mask. And I'm like, is that Maggie? And Dave's like, I think it is Maggie. Um, so I'm going to guess that wasn't your answer, but I'm no. so very cute that you're doing that. Um, so tell us what your earliest memory um, was, because we do like to see how that correlates a little bit to what you do now. Sure. Yeah, I mean, mine's a very clear answer. I always wanted to be an actress um, on Broadway. So, you know, I was born and raised in New York City, um, and my parents were incredible about bringing culture into our lives. It was a big part of the school I went to, arts. Um, and so I remember watching Les Mis, and I think I was like five or six, and I just looked at my mom and I said, I'm uh, that's what you I want to be. Cosette. So I wanted to be, I don't there care. I wanted to be like the person dancing. I like to go there. Ignore me. Um, I'm just doing a little background music for us. It's beautiful. It's, I think your we voice all wanted to be gorgeous. Cosette at one point. <laughs> no, actually, I wanted to be Ebonine. Um, oh. So for the record, I didn't, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm actually interrupting you Do it. intentionally. I need you to know something that our audience, friends, family, may, well, friends and family may know, but our audience certainly doesn't know. I'm one of the few human beings on this planet that back in the day when you would go to the gym with your disc man, do you remember that? Yeah, that appliance, sure. I would listen. Who else do you know that would <laughs> run a 5K <laughs> on the treadmill listening to the soundtrack? of Les Mis. And when I felt like switching it up, meant. So I, the only one I would skip was, um, you know, the one where there's the stealing one, that one I didn't love. Oh yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I would just go fast forward on that one. But like, you know, Eponine, Eponine's my girl. That's the one. Oh. If you ever want to do a karaoke duet on Eponine, I'm all in. Let's do it. 
No, I always gravitated. I gravitated towards the male roles. You know, I really, I loved, you know, I just, I don't know why I've always done that. And like, even in the plays that I was in, like the little rinky dink school plays, I always played either the villain or a, a boy um, or kind of like the best friend of the ingenue. Like I, mm-hmm. it's, I've always been like a character actor and that's what I kind of grew up expecting to do. Um, I majored in it in college. I went to the Atlantic theater company school after, um, college and studied for two years with them. And then, you know, I hit the pavement and became a waitress and it was incredibly the most cliche experience ever. Um, what was interesting though, is when it became a job, when acting became a job, I didn't love it as much. And so, you know, and I didn't like being a waitress. I hated it, actually. Um, I've actually been a waitress for many, many times throughout my like early, you know, start of a career. Um, so, yeah, so I really I followed the passion as much as I could. And then when I realized I just didn't want to I didn't want it to be a job. I wanted to love it. I looked to um, the next phase, like what would I do for a career? I had kind of that moment of like, you know, my parents were like, what are you, what are you doing? And mm-hmm. my dad, my dad's been in advertising and was, he's retired now, but he was in advertising for over 40 years. He's an ad guy and an account person, a client service person. And he was like, listen, Maggie, you you understand people and you read situations and you are good at manipulation and things like that. And you've got these leadership skills. And I think it would translate really well into um, advertising. And so um, he made a phone call, used nepotism as much as I possibly could. (laughs) And um, I got a first job as a, you know, an entry level account person at this company called Kramer Crasselt, which is actually based in Chicago. And, you know, started working on Yellowtail Wine campaign. Do you remember that? With like, oh, yeah. Like the, the mermaid with the yellow tail and the kangaroo oh, with the yellow tail. That, so, that would have been the first wine I ever drank. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> There's Mine actually, was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, it was like yeah. the good wine that was cheap. You know, so yeah, that wasn't in a box. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yep. And so, yeah, I, I, I cut my teeth on that and you know, I, uh, I stayed there and I've been there for, you know, I've been in this business now for over 15 years. So, you know, I love the translation that you just made that you obviously have thought through before, which is we like to correlate, but it, it sounds like you've kind of made that connection already. But for our audience, I think it's interesting to hear, you know, your training as an actor in the theater and convincing others of, you know, X, Y, or Z or entertaining people or um, speaking in front of a crowd, like these skills. I mean, that is something that when you come into Mercer in my office, when we say like, who are you? Like, who are you? Right. So what are you good at? What do you like to do? And then we help you kind of, and through this podcast, we help others realize that those skills are actually very translatable things Mm -hmm. that you can then bring to say advertising or client services where you are speaking in front of people, you're going out and entertaining them, you are convincing them of something. So acting actually in a, in a very, you know, kind of easy way correlates yeah. to, to advertising. So that was very sharp of your dad, obviously, yeah. to convince you to do that. So you started in 
which like, did you have internships? Like, where did you start when you yeah, got into I mean, I interned at my dad's company for a little while. Um, I worked at, I interned and then ended up working a little bit at ICM, which is a talent company, like a large talent agency in New York um, in their commercial department. So it was like uh, voiceover work. Um, and so, you know, and then I, I worked at Monmouth Beach Club as a waitress. I made a killing that summer. My God, that was such a great job. Anyone who need, has a daughter or son that needs, you should go look for beach club work because it, it's great. And um, yeah, so I just, it kind of, I've always had a nature of people pleasing. I've been that way my whole life. And you know, what I say to people who get into this line of work, it's not for everyone because you've got to let things roll off your back quite a lot. You know, you're the messenger. So you're going to get shot over and over and over and over again. And you have to have this element of people pleasing about you because you can't really ever say no in my line of work, right? Like we're client service industry. Like we, we can say we can't do it that way, but and we, but can we compromise and make a change? So you're always saying yes and yes and you know like the whole um, improv mantra, right? So it's just it's all wrapped up in that, and you just really gotta have a thick skin and a, a, an ability to solve problems pretty much every day, right? And it's it's a big part of that work. You know, you don't even realize this maybe, but we just last week had. Um, our dear friend come in and speak to our community, the Dreamcatchers Web. His name is Julio Vincent Gambudo, and he came and spoke to us about the art of saying no professionally. Mm-hmm. He just wrote a very, very, um, you know, uh, insightful piece, actually two, now three in Medium that went viral or on Medium, I should say. That's, you know, very dated of me in Medium. Like it's a new, like it's a newspaper um, on medium, and it went viral about saying no personally, mm-hmm. saying no professionally, and then just the follow up to that. And I think what's so interesting about what you're saying is that, and what he kind of walked us through, it's all about word choice. And I think yeah. advertising, <laughs> you know, advertising in and of itself is that. I mean, it's a business of word choice. It's you know, how do you communicate something to a an audience in any right. capacity and right. or a client for that matter okay right. so you started out you started out on like the consumer talent side yeah. and you were there for a long time now yeah. talk us through what we like what we like to to kind of do um and then we wrap our facebook live feed and then if folks want to hear the rest of your story we we direct them to the podcast that we now are available by the way on every podcast platform which we're very, very proud cool. to say. That's awesome. um, so anywhere you get your podcast, you can find the dream catchers. But before we wrap that part, I just want to get to your what we call your aha moment, right? Yeah. Your, yeah. When your light turned on as you're in advertising, you're spending this time doing this work. Um, and so many of our audience members are, you know, looking for that spark. And I'd yeah. love to hear from our guests, you know, where your light went on and how yeah. you then transitioned from where you were to what you do now. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm very big into my work has to have a purpose, right? Now, now I am. And I think I, I discovered that through, you know, the new beginnings of being an ad executive at an ad agency. And acting gave me a purpose, right? I love making people laugh. I love the sound of applause. I love that creation and that 
that you're you're putting yourself into something and becoming something else and changing people's minds about things. And, you know, I was in this consumer world and I was like, you know, how much do you need to know about wine? Right. There's a cap, right? You like know it all. I worked on a yogurt brand. I was like, okay, I know everything about yogurt. And it for me, I was like, okay, this is what is this? Like I'm making somebody else money because I'm selling yogurt. Like it just didn't make sense. And um, unfortunately, you know, my mom uh, got diagnosed with cancer and it was rather aggressive. And she went in for this huge surgery. It took all day. I mean, it's just like the most terrible moment I, in my memory, in my history, because we're very close. And, um, you know, I didn't get it, right? Like I had to look into books. I started reading up on cancer and the type that she had and what that would mean for her. And she's, she's okay. She's living with cancer now. It's been over a decade. She's a remarkable human being. But, you know, I started to learn all of this stuff about science and it was intriguing. And I was like, how can I, I mean, I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm, you know, at this point, I was like, I don't have the aptitude for that. And I definitely don't have the education for it. Right. And, you know, I was like, how can I marry what I'm doing now with this and have a sense of purpose? And, sure. you know, say what you will about pharmaceutical companies. Yes, there's a bad side of them, but there's also a wonderful side. Everything comes with the opposites included, right? So um, a, a friend of my parents worked for a pharmaceutical advertising agency called Klein Davison Mann. And he talked to me about it and he was like, you know, it's really interesting. It challenges your creativity because it's a very regulated industry. Um, Mm -hmm. And we do a lot of great, great, great things for the community. And it intrigued me. And so I made a lateral move over there and I just fell head over heels in love with it. And I felt, you know, that what I was doing was contributing to someone else's life. And if indirectly or directly, and, you know, you can't say that a lot in advertising. I mean, it's it's a flashy kind of people look at that industry and they're like, you know, you make commercials and those are annoying. <laughs> and it's like you look at the, the pharma commercials with all the side effects that are listed at the end. I mean, you can't talk about the good without talking about the bad in pharmaceuticals. That's just that's a regulation. So that aha moment, even though it was terrible, it changed the trajectory of my career. And I've I haven't looked back. Um, and you know, I'm more knowledgeable about medicine, about, you know, therapeutic categories. I've helped people find the right doctor. I'm really good at these things now because I have this knowledge and it's beyond my career now. It's, it's, it's bigger than that. And, um, this is the first time I've ever really said that. So it's just, it's so cool. Like it just feels good and work takes up a majority of my time. So I better like it. You know what I mean? Like it's sure it's going to be a part of your life. Like you can't compartmentalize. I mean, especially now considering work is now in my life because it's in my home, my husband's working Mm -hmm. downstairs. I mean, you know, it's, it's now everywhere for everyone. And so, you know, if you're going to spend this time, it's like my mom always says, get the most expensive, best mattress you possibly can because you spend a lot of time in bed. Right. And so, you know, find the thing that when you wake up in the morning, you're like, cool, like, let's, let's do this. Let's like, do you it. know, let's do it. So yeah, it was a, it was a very um, specific trans, you know, translation from what I was doing to evolve into this new industry, but take what I had known from just advertising, be able to apply the two. So, um, you know, I, I think that was beautifully said. And um, I think 
for our audience, you know, we, we call it an aha moment, right? But, but in all fairness, sometimes it's just growth, yeah. right? And with life comes wisdom. And yeah. with what, when you're, when you're focused on what's important changes, your journey also changes and shifts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, the fact that you went from wanting to be an actress to working for Yellowtail Line to having a parent become ill yeah. and change your passion and or desire to feel fulfilled mm-hmm. to working at a major organization like Klein Davis Man actually one of my dear friends worked there for a long time. She's actually moving to Fairhaven. Oh, get out. Uh, well, yeah. Name's uh, Joelle. Um, I, and I will, I'll, I'll, offline, we'll, we'll do that connection. Yeah. But um, that pharma world, and we're actually working on quite a few pharma jobs right now that I should throw your way if Jamie hasn't already, in case you and yeah. someone in your network know somebody, which, by the way, is the intention of some of our conversation. Sure. So, Maggie. Yeah far from a nobody. Maggie is doing important work in a world that doesn't necessarily get sensationalized on TikTok. I can't imagine right. why. And I, I just want to um, say to you that I'm thankful for your word choice because I believe how you strung that together and, and, and enunciated the pieces of that you wanted to feel fulfilled. I mean, I'm sure your team at Snow would be extremely um, humbled and emotional in a professional way to know that you have found profound personal fulfillment by doing your work. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and I think the rest of our very important conversation will will follow up off onto uh, in our podcast. Before we, before we actually wrap that, I just wanna get out there because I want our Facebook Live audience to hear it too. Tell us what you do now. So you do something super important, which is communicating directly with patients, which I think is really cool, especially in the climate we're in right now. And that's what I was going to say. You're you're in the world. I mean, literally, if there's anyone to have in your Rolodex, to use an antiquated word, I said disc man and Rolodex, just just throw me over right now. (laughs) Um, But anyone to have in your Rolodex would be someone like Maggie, who's touching the world of science. Because for some of us, sometimes... It's nice to know science. It's 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 rules and it's 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 facts. Yeah. And you know, even when the facts are somewhat blurry or unclear, like they come with that long list of all that stuff, it's the medicines that you're working on are enriching people's lives and allowing people to yeah. live a more fulfilled, healthy life, right? Yeah. Because we yeah. all don't know when we're supposed to check out of this place. Right. So we right. might as well live as best as we can. Like, like said your mom, right? Yeah. 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 So tell us, tell us the work that you do specifically. Like, how are you working? What do you do every day to communicate with patients? And how does that look? What does that look like for you? Yeah, sure. So I work for a company called Snow Companies founded by Brenda Snow. Um, It is a patient engagement company. And we're actually under the Omnicom Health umbrella. Now we were acquired a few years ago. Um, We what we do is we we amplify the patient voice. So what, you know, our clients are pharma companies and I'll give you an example. So, you know, say someone is developing a therapy for Parkinson's to address a specific symptom. You know, they want to find people living with Parkinson's to be able to talk to them and for those people to be able to talk to others living with Parkinson's. And so we have 
recruitment within our company that finds patients who are who want to share their story. Um, then we have writers and coaches and um, this wonderful staff to help bring that story to life and get it out on paper and then teach them how to share it with live audiences. And then a larger function within our company too are just all the channels of which to share that story. So, you know, through social media, through digital, through live programming, um, just through content, right? Just content that these patients are creating in conjunction with us. And so the live programming is a huge part of what Snow does. And that's been a huge challenge for us this past year as we've gone to this medium now. And it's, it's hard to connect with people through this, right? Because you'd see in live, these people all gathered, all have the same living with the same condition and they're hearing a story that they empathize with and they hear the choices that that person made and the outcomes that they've had due to those choices. And it changes how they manage their own lives, their own conditions. And so you're creating, I'm sorry to interject, yeah, but yeah, you are creating a network for them mm-hmm. essentially. Absolutely. Absolutely. A healing, a healing community. Yep. And it's, it's just it's, what we do in a weird way. I love yeah. that. So it's, a, it's all that. about storytelling and it's all about storytelling provides better outcomes for people. Right. And driving empathy. And it's, it's just a lovely, incredible model. And so I am I'm a senior vice president at the company. Um, I oversee a team that handles multiple projects across a lot of different clients. Um, so again, you know, to correlate that kind of like I wear million hats as does my, as does my team. And because Mm -hmm. no client is the same, you know, there's not, it's not a one size fits all process. You've got to evolve and change and read the situation and approach it in different ways all day long. I mean, it's, it's exhausting, but it's, it's a cool challenge. And I think one of the things why I say I'm a nobody is because I'm, my biggest focus is, is I want my team to, to rise, right? I want them to thrive. I want them to be enjoy what they do, which is not going to happen all the time. And so I just I want to be that person that supports that. And I think that's, you know, that's what a good leader makes is someone who wants to see the the best in everybody else. And I, I might not do that every day. You know, I, I think people who say you can have it all or it's a crocka. You know what? I mean, you can have it, you can have some of it that day and then kind of a little bit different the next day, but um, mm-hmm. it's, so that's really my, my focus every day is how can I help? Right. Basically I say that like 50 times a day, how can I help? Um, and you know, it's, it's a big part of the job, but this company is incredible. I've been with it for almost four years now. I work from home. Um, I've always worked from home uh, about 20 to 30% of our staff, I think works remotely and then we have an office down in Williamsburg, Virginia, um, where you know the rest of the staff um, sits. So obviously they're working from home too during this climate. But we're looking forward to getting what back. What a cool! What a cool area of pharma. I mean, I I worked in pharmaceutical PR for a hot second before I switched into recruitment, and um, we worked closely with other, obviously our ad partners. I never knew about that industry and part of the industry. And I think that that's a really eye-opening thing for me as a recruiter, but also our audience, that there's this area that's specifically designed to communicate 
to the patients and bring the patients together and coach those patients on how to speak to the media or audiences. I mean, this is a totally different niche. And I think that that's a really cool thing to have somebody like Maggie share with our audience, because that's an area that maybe people might be interested in, especially after what we've all experienced this year, right? And like how, what we receive from media, from other people, from whatever it is, is, is dictating what we decide to do with our own bodies. Right. So it's like, Oh, did you have a bad reaction to the vaccine? Should I not get it? Like these are real conversations right now. And there are companies out there that are helping to engage people in that way about, you know, not just the vaccine, but all sorts of therapies. And yeah, I think that's fascinating. We Probably a great, a, a great career path for people or students that are interested in public health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you see that major thrown around a lot. We interviewed somebody um, several podcasts ago who went back to school for her master's in public health. Nice. Like, I think, you know, I, it's funny. I saw a commercial last night, um, like a New York City commercial. where They were promoting going back to school. It was funny. It slipped into the crevice there where they were promoting going back to school for public health so that we can be better prepared for the next global um, crisis that yeah. other people could be working and, and, and working together to, to solve it. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, my mother or our mother is a cancer survivor also. And although she was hesitant, um, just because that was her personality at that time to be involved in group therapy, she probably would have benefited and or would have responded to a group like this. Like, so she could have talked through, oh God, I'm, I, I've heard this name so many times that I've blanked on the name of the meds, but it makes her body ache. And yeah. she's actually, metformin, thank you. So it came to me, metformin. And she actually gets to finish her metformin um, this year, which she has so much emotion about letting that go that I, I realized that that is an untapped, what, like, I love what you're doing. Sorry, I'm a little late to the party on it, but like to be able to have a safe space, because let's be honest, let's be honest. And then we'll switch off to podcast. Sometimes as much as our medical professionals and our healthcare workers are superstars, they are built, not, they didn't intentionally choose this job for this piece of it, but they have subsets of personality skills that allow them to rise to be these superstars. You don't see me wanting to work in health. Okay. I'm not able to do it. There are certain people that can do that kind of stuff. And those kind of people for better or for worse may not always deliver Mm -hmm. the soft pieces of what Maggie and her colleagues are delivering. Right. So like when you go to the doctor, sometimes, even if they have a great bedside manner, he or she might just give it to you straight. Listen, here's the deal, Marissa. You got to get your vaccine. It is what it is. Right. Right. I mean, can I ask a question? Can I ask a fast question? Because I do want to wrap this part up. I I, I think um, our audience would love to hear this. And I'm curious. So how does the recruitment work? So say my mom is a great candidate to be a a spokesperson or, you know, I, I hate to use that word, but like a you know, uh, ambassador, if you will, those are the words we use in our business um, for Metformin, say, and you Metformin was your was one of your clients. How does she get like, who does the communication go through? Is it the doctor typically? Is it straight to the patient? How does that process work? 
It's multiple channels for recruitment. So, I mean, it's funny you say ambassador. We call them patient ambassadors, right? That's what these these folks are for us. And they're, they're our celebrities, right? And we treat them that way. Um, you know, the SNOW website always ha- is a place to go to submit your name if you're interested in sharing your story. Um, a lot of times, you know, you'll see something online or, you know, there's a social media. We use a lot of channels, but through your doctor's. Um, through advocacy organizations, um, things that have a good following of people that we know we can reach. Um, But it's different. I mean, you know, you take therapeutic areas like neurology or oncology, and those have a large prevalence, right? There's a a lot of people living with those certain conditions. And then you look at rare disease, which, you know, it's 2,200 people in the world, right? How do you find them? So it all comes with its challenges, but we just try to blanket any communication channel that these people would be consuming with, are you interested in sharing your story, right? And it's it's all about hand raising. I mean, we don't we don't want to go to people and, and try to coerce them. It's It's a voluntary thing. Like people really have to want to share their story to be a part of some of these efforts. So- because we got to come well, we have people coming in with an open mind and it's, it can be scary, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they don't know what they're walking into, but I can guarantee you they're always walking into like a very safe and loving environment where we just want them to shine. And so it's, it's just, it's so cool. I mean, it's just really it cool. It is so cool. Maggie. I love, don't ever call yourself a nobody again. What you're doing <laughs> is real, really amazing work. So speaking of networks, speaking of networks, you know, Marissa and I obviously like breathe networking. And I love that what you're talking about is creating a network for people, whether you say it that way or not, that's just how our brain works, right? Or a web or an orbit of people that are all going through the same thing at the same time. And so, you know, our episode today is actually made possible by a network that I wanted to just shout out quickly. It's called the Mammoth Moms. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. We're all Mammoth Moms. So I think we all should get on board. Um, it's actually part of a larger consortium. So speaking of, it's not Omnicom. By the way, when I worked in PR, it was part of Omnicom too. It's called the Local Moms Network is the overall umbrella. Um, Mammoth Moms is a resource website for busy parents. They curate the events. They figure it out for you, right? So instead of trying to figure out like, where should I take my kid this weekend or what's going on? You follow them on social or you sign up for their newsletter. They actually curate all that for us. So as a busy mom, I look there all the time, which I didn't know about it until I'd say last year. And I was like, where was this when I was had a seven month old and I had just not picked up what they were putting down yet. And now I'm all over it. So when you're like looking for like, where should I go apple picking? Like what's happening this weekend outdoors, especially in this climate, they're doing all that work for us. Um, So I highly, highly recommend it. Um, A little bit more about Mammoth Moms. Their mission is to give moms the gift of time by sifting through all of the information that's available and providing curated finds and resources, updated activities and events, local flavors, introductions to talented moms. We were also featured. Check out our feature. Um, so I, I, I'm a, that was our shameless plug for ourselves. So some of the things they curate, summer camp activities and um, events, uh, fitness and wellness resources, local restaurants, boutiques, things that are kid friendly. Like where can I take my kid that's not going to be too loud or too crowded or too noisy, family health care, job board, which is great for us, teen scene, beauty and spa, children's party ideas. Um, you can sign up for their newsletter. They're getting um, ready to do some Mother's Day guides. So follow them on Facebook and Instagram at um, The Monmouth Moms, or you can sign up for their um, newsletter at info at themonmouthmoms.com. So check them we'll out. We'll throw that all in somewhere. And also 
not for nothing, we get to, um, here's a, a sneak peek. We get to speak a little more closely with the owner and CEO of Mammoth Moms on Thursday, later this week. He's going to be on our panel. Yeah. And I, I want to actually make sure that we revisit the job board because she and I had a big epiphany about that. I think that's really, really a great way for us all to be collectively working together. Um, so stay tuned to hear more from the Mammoth Moms. They'll be on our panel on Thursday at Bellworks. Um, which is in celebration, by the way, of Take Your Kids to Work Day. So we're doing it at 3.30. So if you want to come join us live at Bellworks, if you're local, bring the kids. I'm going to try to bring mine. I'll see if they listen in the audience. That's going to be fun. A.K. Dear Dave, can you bring the kids while I'm <laughs> speaking live? Um, Ming, our sound guy, will babysit. Actually, I'm not sure he can even be there. His his staff will babysit. Um, anywho, thank you so much, Mammoth Moms. Thank you, Facebook Live. If you want to hear the rest of this amazing interview with Maggie and all the important work that she's doing, check us out on, I don't think I can even remember them all now, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. So thanks so much for coming this morning, guys. All right, so Maggie, um, we're not going to be live anymore. So if you want to like, <laughs> like their face is no longer showing. Um, so this is just, I have to say it again, because I, I do want to reiterate as we're continuing this conversation, how important this work is. So I think, you know, our natural next question is kind of a little bit more about like how COVID has um, affected your business. So obviously, like you said, a lot of these things were happening in person. You were doing these like events, right? That some yeah. of these survivors, right. are, you know, um, so tell, now are a lot of your, are a lot of your, um, drugs focused on elder, more elderly people? No, I mean, there's a range. I mean, you know, categories like multiple sclerosis, um, right, you know, of course, come with like a large, you know, then you've got like, we, we have pediatric indications. So, you know, we're talking more to moms and dads that way. Got it. So it's not like you had, it's not like you had zoom resistance. No, you get Zoom fatigue. That's really mm-hmm. kind of what we're finding is, you know, and also I think uh, a big thing is, you know, on, on Facebook where it's like, oh, there's like goat yoga and you're like, oh, I'm interested in going, right? And then you never go, right? Yeah. There's that mentality is now coming into, you know, online programming, right? So, you know, we're finding that we get a lot of registrants, right? A lot of people are like, oh, I'm so interested, I'm coming. And then a lot of, attrition, which is, you know, you just get like five people show up when you had 55 register. Those are challenges, you know, and I, you, you can't, you got to keep the content fresh and dynamic and interactive. So there's so many things now that you can do like polling questions and you can do like a live, you know, Q and A's and we try to bring in, you know, more lifestyle stuff and it's not just all medicine. Um, You know, every pretty much every program starts with an ambassador story. Right. And then that's, you know, really kind of the the heart of it. Um, and then, you know, obviously always has to be paired with some medical information. Right. Cause that's why they're there. Um, so, you know, it's been challenging to find unique ways to pe- pe- keep people engaged and just to keep bring people in, you know, so are you allowed to, I hate to ask this, are you allowed to incentivize them in some way? Like, are there any incentives or it's all volunteer? That's what's difficult, right? So we do a lot of work like this as well and in all areas of our businesses. And I think it's really hard right now. I think it's just extremely noisy and just out there in general, everyone's kind of like just trying to 
navigate and survive. So I do think, I do think that there's, you know, hope out. I think it's getting better. And I think people are starting to slow down a little and listen and hear, you know, what we actually talked to Julio speaking of him um, the other night about was unsubscribe to resubscribe. Right. So it's the concept of what can I like block out so I can actually focus on the stuff that matters to me. And I think hopefully we're headed in that direction for all of our sakes, where folks will see what you're trying to do and become more involved again. And yeah, yeah, COVID has definitely hit anything with a live, you know, layer has been. Oh, completely. I mean, mean, I think, you know, what we're trying to do is keep a pulse on when people are ready to start coming into live situations. Right. Sure. And I think we're far, we're still a little ways away from that. Um, But the possibility of it, I mean, it's, it's hard because the people in my company, like that's our lifeblood, right? That's going to these live events, seeing the faces of these people, getting to interact with them like that is such a huge part of why people work at Snow, right? And mm-hmm. and that's been taken away. So we've tried, and I think we've done it very successfully of kind of using this online medium of, of connecting. And I think people have let their guard down a little bit. I mean... You know, there's a professionalism, obviously, that you have to have every day at work. But you're—I mean, this is not my life. This whole background is fake. But it's you know—it's—it's it's, you know, your life is now—it's in your work. I mean, it's—you know—my my son is behind my shoulder. My dog is barking. You know, Eric comes in here asking if I—you know—if I fed the dog, and I'm like, I'm on a call. I mean, it's just—it's. <laughs> it's, it's broken that professional barrier down a little bit. And, and also within the online medium, like stuff goes wrong that you don't have control over, right? Like my connectivity could just, you know, stop. And then this whole thing would be, would be ruined. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of those things that, that happen that you really can't plan for. Um, And I think it's allowed people to be a little bit more forgiving of, and, and open to being a little bit more themselves too. So it's been, it's, it's interesting, you know. There, there's so much good that's happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and as per usual, as a culture, we struggle to see the good because we are so ultimately, I wouldn't say the words attracted because some of us don't want to be attracted to the negative, but we're guided toward the negative. Um, it takes, it takes manual work to stay focused on the positive, which I know is everyone's challenge. Right. So when I've been talking about work for the last year, the fact that now granted you're a very unique individual, like you've been working from home since before. Right. So, so Jamie and I were a little bit too. Um, the difference with us is that we were doing it with, uh, a degree without as much decorum and perhaps a lot more guilt, um, which now neither of us will ever, I'm feeling a lot of feelings, a mm. lot of feelings, yeah. The guilt about being in my New York city office. I feel zero. Yeah. And by yeah. the way, that used to be a huge issue for Marissa where yes. she felt a lot of struggle. And I, which is very indicative of our relationship as I know you are sisters, you have sisters. Um, I think you, you know, Marissa struggled with that a lot. I didn't as much. And that was partially because I had the natural boundary. I had the baby and and now he's no longer my baby, but he's still my baby. So 
I had that like, can't do it. Sorry. Like got a baby at home, got to relieve the nanny, like can't. So I started working from home way more before she did. And she like, couldn't disconnect that. And and neither could our dad. And also, also, I've said this a thousand times. I like the office. Yeah. 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 I like the work. going. going. I like the boundary. I like the separation. I think doing all of this combined is extremely difficult. Since we've been on this phone call, I've had something important happen at work, a meeting that just got changed. In addition to that, the entire dance schedule is completely different than I thought. I have to tell the babysitter and we're live in a Zoom, in a call on air. And there is absolutely not one thing I can do about it, but yet I'm in charge of all of it. Right. Right. And I, I literally say all the time, there is something to be said for having authenticity um, supersede, because I don't want to say the word Trump anymore, supersede mm-hmm. professionalism. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, I, I wouldn't mind pulling some of the veil back down, which I yeah, think we've talked about a little bit. I don't need everyone to know that all the time. I just want to have my conversation about work. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to get to the point. Also, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, you know, you personally are fulfilled by the job that you do, right? So we all, we, this analogy is some, I, I speak in analogies a lot, but we're supposed to put our oxygen masks on first, right? Which is difficult in all facets, but you are a healer through your professional work. And if you're not able to get in front of your people, you don't feel like your oxygen mask is like twisty. It's not really on properly. Maybe you need to switch. I mean, talk about masks. Maybe you need to tighten it a little bit on the side. Right. And, and, and it, it, it makes the end game feel slightly in effect, not ineffective, but like, right. So I, I, what is it that you're doing? Um, And I know that you mentioned, that you want your team to rise. What are you doing for your team? Uh, and what are you doing for yourself to stay yeah. professionally engaged and inspired? Especially since I'm assuming you haven't been down to Williamsburg. By the way, I've been to Williamsburg. By the way, I posted a picture of myself in Williamsburg in my stream last night and tagged my friend because it was her birthday. And we oh, were yeah. there. I mean, granted, it was 25 years ago. And the guy that was in the hat is probably like, you know. Run, run, he probably runs snow. You work with him, actually. Um, also, I saw Dave Matthews at a bar that burnt down in Williamsburg. So, because I'm older than you, and that's and that's how things were before. Work. Before Dave Matthews was Dave Matthews, but that was yes. when he was still Dave, playing the bar. Circuit. You know this, Maggie. You don't know this. Dave Matthews no. from there. Oh, I thought he was from like North Carolina or something. I had no idea. Well, he's he, so so. I don't I, I don't have his birth certificate, but his career his career. I'm looking began, him up on Wikipedia. His, his career began in the Williamsburg, Charlottesville, Richmond area. I know because I saw him when sleeping on the dorm couch. Yeah, origin, by the way, per per Wikipedia, his origin, which, you know, meaning like where he began his career, maybe not where he was born. Um, Dave Matthews Band formed in Charlottesville, Virginia in 1991. Yeah. So like Marissa was in college in 95, 96, 97. That's when he was really playing those bars. And she yeah. saw him when, before he was a thing. And then, and then in 97 happened. The next thing you know, he was like a, a giant Every stadium. Yeah. He was like yeah. the Beatles. Like, out of nowhere. Just like, just- so you were under the table and dreaming 
And now you're at Giant Stadium. Anyway, so I love Virginia. I was well, to be fair, that album was 94. So like it was perfect timing for him to like be playing oh, wow. those. Yeah. So exactly. now, and, so how often do you get there when in regular life? In regular life, I'm there once a month. So um, for a couple of days. It's a great flight. You just it fly, is. When you fly to Richmond, it's like 20 minutes. It's, <laughs> get I a know. soda. You're like, get your soda and then you're done. I-64 West. Yep, exactly. That's the only road you get on. Then you just get off of it and snow's right there. So yeah, it's... um, Pick up a sweet tea and you're on your way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm there once a month. And then, um, you know, because we do so many events and things, I'm on the road quite a lot. So that's been a huge change for me of not traveling at all. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and... I think for my team, what I try to do is I'm just, I'm, I have to be present, right? But I'm present during the hours of work. And I think getting people, you know, the work-life balance and people use that term so much, it's not even real anymore, right? It's just, it's setting the expectations of like, this is when I'm here, right? And this, and I, it's about communication, especially working from home. You have to be, you almost have to over-communicate to a degree in order to make sure that you're making those connections because emails and text messages get misinterpreted all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. so, you know, before I think my, my team would laugh. I'm always like, pick up the phone, just pick up the phone. Like I say it so many times, pick up the phone. Like if something goes over a back and forth, I hate seeing email chains that are like eight mm-hmm. emails back and forth and forth. And like, I agree. I'm like, pick up the phone guys and just talk. And it, the problem solves is solved in two minutes on the phone. Right. So, you know, it's, it's just being present and, but setting the expectation of when I will be present. Right. And I think I make sure that everyone does that too, because in this world, you're accessible all the time and it's not healthy, right. You have to disconnect. Like this computer stays in this room. I don't bring it around the house. I don't go to different rooms with it. And when it's you safer. say this room, it's not the loft that we're looking it's at. It's not this beautiful, no, no, city loft. It's, uh, you know, a little a little house in Fairhaven, New Jersey. And I just, I designate the area, right? This is where I work. This is what I work on. And then when I'm done, it shuts and I'm out of this, I'm out of this room. And that's been very important for me to be successful with working from home, Um You know, but the thing also that I think COVID's given us and just even working from home has given me is time with my family that I never thought I'd be able to have being a full-time working mom, right? I mean, you get that title automatically, you give birth and then you're working and like, there's, you know, you're a working mom. Like everyone says it all the time. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I am, and, but I take Teddy to school. I get to pick him up. I get to go to things you know, I, I just, I've had so much time with him this year that it's, it's like the best gift I've ever, I could have ever thought to give myself. Right. And, you know, I make sure that the team is doing those things for themselves too. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm out playing tennis in the evening and, you know, we go for long walks and just enjoying and being grateful for the small things that we have. Like I'm, I'm constantly, wanting the next thing. That's a part of my nature. I'm always like, what's next? What can we do to have more, to do more, to blah, blah, blah. And it's a, it's a the drive. It's my ambition. And sometimes it gets the best of me. And I think this year was a really wonderful forced lesson of enjoying what I have. And, 
it's it's made me a better employee to be quite frankly uh, to be to be frank i mean it's it's made me a better mom it's made me a better wife it's made me a better friend and just mm-hmm. finding that joy in like these little things like i mean i have the window open it's a beautiful day like i'm just i'm doing this like how cool like i'm just it's such a wonderful cool day and i'm not thinking about like how are we going to get a fourth bedroom on our house? And like, I'm going to redo all the landscaping and let's just like, like stop, like it stops and it stops that for me. And I, it's given my brain more space, which, you know, is a necessity, right? I mean, if I think this year also has, there's no, there's no brain space anymore. Like you're just, it's always going. And this slowdown has freed that up a little bit for me because now, now, having headspace is a luxury, right? And it sucks. Like it should be a necessity. Um, so, you know, making sure that my team takes the time, takes time off, like gets mental health days. Like, you know, they're having a bad day and like they, they have to do something at home, like go and do it. Like work will always be here. Like you can't live for this job. You've got to, this job should be working, worked into your life, right? I mean, it's a part of your life, but it's not, you shouldn't be living for it, right? So yeah. it's, um, just making some of those distinctions and setting those expectations. Um, and well, it, it sounds to me you lead with light. I try. I mean, I don't think that's what that's what it is. And that's that's one of our several mantras. When you when you're hiring, mm. you know, we, we talked about this a little bit. And you, you're one of the first people that we've interviewed. And we've interviewed a lot of the people. Um, that has a really unique career path that in all fairness, 16 years on the staffing front, I wasn't privy to. Yeah. So tell me, tell me, tell me an ideal resume. Does yeah. Snow have openings? What kind of jobs, what kind of people would you be looking for? What's a, what's a ideal candidate? Who, who makes it in front of you? What do you look for? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a little unique because most places that handle pharma, you have to have a pharma background. Yeah, That's not mm-hmm. necessarily the case here. So, you know, in for account management for client service, I'm looking for people that have had, you know, that client service background. Even if it's waitressing, I mean, you, you there's there's a part of it. You know, like it's it's we give you know, that advice all the time. Leave that on your resume. So right. often, yeah. career centers and colleges and parents and whomever that gives advice yeah. on resumes tells people to take that off and. Really, where else can you learn, right? I mean, you've been a waitress. We've all been waitresses, these mm-hmm. three of us. I know that. So where else do you learn the fundamentals of client service beyond being a waitress? I mean, yeah. zero other places. It's just yeah. how to talk to someone, how to deal with difficult personalities, how to handle money. I mean, all the things that you yeah. learn as a waitress. So yeah. leave that on your resume because that's yeah. exactly what you said, something that you might look for look for people that, you know, are drawn to organization and project management um, that like understand process, right? And have had some background in that. I mean, we've hired people with financial backgrounds. um, But yeah, I mean, a lot of people come from other marketing places because it's familiar. And it's, it's, it's something you can learn. I mean, there's, there's a snow process, right? Every company has a unique process. You learn that. You know, you learn about pharma. It's highly regulated industry. So there are are things that we can and cannot do or things we can and cannot say. Um, And the training is there for that. So, you know, we, we, I think process, project management, people, person, 
you know, has had some sort of client service background um, are kind of the ideal candidates that come, you know, come to me when I when I look over someone's resume. Um, and of course, you know, we have a lot of entry level. So we're taking a lot of kids from college who their first job and, you know, coming into the account team is a great place to learn about an agency, you know, whether you go off to be a copywriter later or run it be in programs. So you're it's it's event management, right? So for our programs department, we're looking for someone with experience in event planning. So it's it's a very unique spot because you can have a I lot of it. people on all walks of such life. A, such a relevant conversation. I actually um, now have two things to talk to you about offline. There's a young woman that worked for us for a long time that I'm not sure where she's at right now um, in between post-COVID cast-offs. And she would be so, so good in this world. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm, 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 you know, I'm wondering if I'll see, I'll reach out to her and if there's see everybody remember at the very beginning of this conversation, anyone that's listening out there in the podcast world, Maggie said something without shame. Okay. And it's super important. She made a tongue in cheek joke about nepotism, right? Where it, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, it's who, you know, that does not need to be your parents. Right. Right. <laughs> it does not need to be an adult that has moved forward in the world before you. It could be from your own network, which is why Jamie and I are yeah. hustling without as much brain space as we should have during a pandemic. Yeah. That space is still cluttered. Whoopsie daisy. Because we're trying to create a place where anybody can just chime in and find another person to lean up on for moments of confusion, inspiration, and a pathway, a yellow brick road from spot one to spot two. So, you know, if yeah, you so when I'm listening to, sorry, when, when, I, say to, when I say to my, yeah, go ahead, never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Um, sorry, Zoom. Um, you know, it's like you've been listening to the Dreamcatchers for a long time. We tell wonderful stories. But what I love about this story and the one that you will see exploited all over social media when we when we do this is that Maggie described herself as somebody that was a nobody, which I'm sorry that you said that because now we're gonna exploit it. So sorry. So sorry, I'm not that sorry. Um, and in addition to that you have showcased and actually educated me and Jamie on a career path that I did not know existed. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily require a specific background in order to get in. But who you know mm -hmm. comes into play. So if you happen to know me, you very well may be able to know Maggie. And Maggie mm -hmm. is doing wonderful work in the world. So it's not just calling your dad's friend or your mom's friend. It's thinking bigger and paying yeah. attention to who is in your network, in your world, how they touch you, why they touch you. Last week we had on the podcast, my, someone I was friends with from freshman year of college. Like, this is what it's about. Yeah. And I, mm. you know, um, I think the network, like what you're talking about, like in, in my industry, it's it's huge, but it's also very intimate. And so once you're a part of it, I mean, I don't think I've, every opportunity I've been given was through word of mouth of somebody that I knew. And, you know, I think that's really cool. I mean, and I it's a wonderful network to be a part of. I mean, healthcare is 
a huge, huge industry, and there's so many facets of it, but it's a it's it's a constant evolving industry, right? And so, you know, you can really find different places for yourself that make sense. And you don't have to be a scientist, you don't have to be a doctor. It's just you have to have a passion for wanting to help people in need, right? And and solve these problems. I mean, I wish there was a cure for cancer. Are they gonna get there? I freaking hope so, right? And I'm working with people that are looking into that, right? And like, we're working all together for this common good of solving these health crisis and health issues that people are having. And as you age, you're going to experience them. Like everyone's going to have an experience with something at some time. And as you said before, you know, Marissa, about doctors and bedside manner, I mean, they're in a client service industry too, but they need to be educated. And those bridges need to be built between patients and physicians and legislation and all of that stuff. And these stories and what we do is in service of that, right? And and the goal is for those bridges to be built and understanding to happen. And, you know, advocating for yourself as a patient is a huge deal. I mean, I think that's something I failed at. I think one of your questions is what was a failure of yours, right? And I, I didn't stand up for myself a lot in the beginning. And you have to ask for what you want. No one just really gives it to you. In some cases it happens, but like, it's okay to ask for more money. It's okay to ask for a promotion. It's okay to ask for something different for yourself. The worst thing that they're going to say is no. And then you move on and then you go get it somewhere else, right? So it's just, I think, you know, the healthcare world has shown me and these people who advocate for better outcomes for themselves, for better medicine, for better care has helped me also advocate for myself and my job, right? And I, I think that's a big part of it. You don't have a manager hyping you up in the company. You are that person, right? And so, um, you know, now I am a big advocate for Maggie. I, I, I have to be, right? And I think that's a huge lesson I learned to over time. I think that's a great piece of advice. You know, our next question would have been like, what is your a good piece of advice for our audience just work-wise? And I think that you probably already answered that is being your own advocate. We often say, you create your own destiny, right? So often people say to me, I didn't get that job because I never heard back or I don't know anyone at that company. And the, the I hadn't heard back reasoning. I always say, did you follow up? Right. And often nine times out of 10, People look at me like I like deer in headlights that they don't even know how to do that, which is here I am to tell you, reach out, go on LinkedIn, find the Maggie's of the world, reach out to her and say, I applied to a job at Snow Companies. I didn't hear back. Can you help me? Right. And she might say, oh, that, that was filled or I've introduced you to my colleague over on this team that might be able to help you. Right. So it's creating that destiny for yourself. Also advocating for yourself in, you know, in that you know some you know somebody like Marissa was saying earlier, oh, I don't know anyone there. Yes, you do. Now you do, right? You're listening to Maggie's podcast. You can say to her, I, you know, I was listening to this interview on the Dreamcatchers and I'm really intrigued. By the way, while we were live, Marissa and I got an email from another Fairhaven mom that wants to meet you, by the way, because of this conversation. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna have to make that connection after. But that hearing, to me hearing stories drives Sharing your story. Exactly. It's like that's that's how Brenda started this company. It's sharing stories, creates connections and and creates better, better lives for people. It's really just such a cool and simple concept because we do it, it all really the time. Is. I mean, we it really you know, is. Jamie, how do we get to know each other, right? 
we had kids in the same school, we had mutual friends, you start to connect, you start to share stories about yourselves, you know, you you start to like each other, you start to, you know, and this friendship forms, and I'm all the better for it, right? It's just, it's, and then your network grows, and it's, it's just, it's such a cool, organic thing. And I do think you're right. I think we all are so ingrained and trained from a young age on on focusing on our personal relationships and how you create friendships and you find things in common with each other. And so often professionally off, you know, people are lost and don't really know how to do that. And that's, I think, why sharing your story today, Maggie, can potentially encourage others. There's other ways to connect to people. There's other industries out there that might be of interest to you. Um, And I think you did hit the nail on the head a little bit about you being a people pleaser and an advocate for yourself. And that's kind of your probably your professional superpower and and how you've grown into your um, into your position now. But that is one of our favorite questions also is, do you think you have a superpower? I think that's probably your superpower is being an advocate. Um, I also like to phrase it like, who are you and your group of friends? Right. Are you the person like you said earlier when you're trying to figure out? Um, the resumes that would be a good fit at snow companies. It's looking at people that maybe they've been a waitress, maybe they have an interest in project management. You know, that is a superpower, right? Who are you and how do you bring that to paper and then to an interview? So what would you say your superpower is then if you had to answer that question? I have it if you don't. Yeah, you can. Yeah, go for it. I have to think about it a little bit. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you've already said them. So here's a little girl that wanted to be an actor, right? She wanted to tell stories. Yeah. Working for a woman who built an entire organization. What's the mantra of the organization? Sharing. What did you Share say? Your story, make connections. I think she yeah. said. Storytelling is, the, is how you make connections, right? So this, this podcast is called What's Your Story, which ironically could have been what you were um, because Really, what your superpower is, is you just took your intrinsic, most intuitive gift of wanting to tell stories mm. and you're doing it this way. You are yeah. a, a, you are a storyteller. And that, by the way, is a true gift because in all fairness, there are many people that we meet along the way that are very good at their jobs, but not be somebody that would feel comfortable describing themselves as a storyteller where I'm going to guess everybody at snow and everybody at Cambridge would have handed you the mic. (laughs) And the truth is that by far could be one of the, you know, not being afraid of public speaking, not being afraid of being an advocate for yourself, not being afraid of leading with light when you don't really have anyone to lean up on. Being a true storyteller is a gift. So in my, I'm sitting here listening and I'm like, if she doesn't have a superpower, I have it for her. So um, hope you're okay with that. But you pretty much, you you led me to the well. Yeah, that's a good gift. So, so we, we kind of switch gears now after we've like, you know, outed you as far as where you are in the universe and storytelling. And we talk about like, okay, so you're, you're doing a hard stop at the end of your day and you're taking care of, you know, your son and you're playing tennis, which I'm obviously going to talk to you about offline because that intrigued me. I'm listening to every word you said, I'm a tennis player and I'm missing my partner right now because she is 
for better or for worse, pregnant with her fourth and has left me left me on the wayside. Um, <laughs> so what are you doing with your downtime? You're reading, you're watching TV, you're cooking a lot, you're mixing yeah, cocktails. What's happening? Yeah, I mean, we're a big TV family. So yeah, we do a lot of, you know, Netflix and movies and different things like that. But I think my downtime, I mean, when I have it, it's like I'm at like the playground with Teddy, you know, I'm just I'm like looking for things that are fun to do for both him and myself. I mean, like, I love the idea. We've done this thing of like creating adventures and like it's like as silly as like going to find a pine cone or like getting French fries at McDonald's drive through or something like that. But like I've been like having a lot of fun, like making like spontaneous decisions to like do fun stuff and and you're home to do them. Yeah. I love, mm-hmm. I love a pine cone and a, and a McDonald's French fry run. Those are adventures I can sign on to some, Me some, too. some super and moms, by the way, some super moms really take that up a notch. Also, you can go to the mom at moms and look yep. at all the things that they put out for very, yeah, you know, I'm going to you want, if you want to go deeper. Totally. And I think, yeah, Mammoth Moms probably has great ideas for that. I think I'm with you, Maggie. I find the simplest things make them so happy, right? So like over spring break, we were feeling, you know, wompy and jealous of people traveling. And so we decided to go to the city for three days and sleep over Mm -hmm. and like didn't have a plan. And I made up this dessert tour and we went and tried like every famous chocolate chip cookie and cupcake in Manhattan. And they could not have been happier. And like, you realize not that that's super simple. That's a, a, a extreme example, but even doing like McDonald's drive through and seeing what the happy meal toy is going to be. They are like, as if I gave them a trip to Disney, they are like so easy to please right now. I think we all are right. We're just looking for simple, easy joys. Totally. Yeah. Just get out of the house. Um, before we ask you our last favorite question, do you have a mantra, Maggie? Because I think you have a lot of wise like words that you're saying, you know, that string together in ways. But do you have a personal mantra that you say? Because I think as somebody that kind of specialized in theater and word choice and delivering a message, I'd love to hear what yours is because I have a feeling I might really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I I sometimes I'm reluctant to share my mantra because it sounds really selfish, but um, it's OK. We're allowed to be selfish, especially now. Pretty much every day I ask myself, like, how am I going to make my life easy today? And I say it all the time. How am I going to make my my life easy? And I find that that mantra has allowed me to be the most flexible human being on the planet because, and it allows me to prioritize what battles I need to fight. And I can see things a little bit more clearly when I, when I react with this mantra. So how am I going to make my life easy? It could be like, okay, I'm going to dive in and make this really difficult problem go away, or I'm going to not react too much to this because I know it's going to elevate it too much and I'm going to have to deal with it. So it allows me to kind of make prioritized choices about Mm. what I'm doing that day. And it's in service of everybody else, right? I mean, somebody could really need my help right Mm -hmm. so yeah it's putting your oxygen mask on yeah yeah so so yeah that's my my work mantra really um but it's now kind of evolved into my life you know um make life easy i could see that i could see myself needing a fluffy robe with that like inscribed on it for like quintessential reminding you know because i might ask myself that at like 7 12 but like need to ask it again like 
45 times between <laughs> 806 and 824. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. And, again, and again, and again, really, and again, and again. It's really serviced me well in terms of that. I just, you know, it, there's so many things that happen that are unexpected, right? You get a phone call, your mom has cancer. But you didn't expect to get that that day, right? You know, your kid gets sick at school. Like there's so many elements of life that you just can't control. And having this mantra has allowed me to be like, okay, I, you know, I can hand, I can handle this, right? But like, how am I going to handle it to make a nicer outcome for myself and the people around me? And it's, yeah, it's really, it's helped me through a lot of things, you know, both personally and professionally. Um, so, fun, like fun, Fontine needed that mantra. Yeah, Fontine <laughs> needed it. She had to make your life easy, Fontaine. Fontaine. Fontaine Fontaine needs a lot of help. Yeah, poor Fontaine. Um, Poor Fontaine. That's awesome. Um, Okay. So, by the way, don't get us started on Les Mis. We're going to go like rabbit hole, just so you know. We are actually, you know, when when you're biting your your tongue, like not to, you're just trying to control it. Like, I'm about to be like, Control. I sang "Cats on a Cloud" like no, live. Oh, I know the song. Baseball. It was it was Master of the House. Yeah, I skipped Master of the House. Oh yes, oh, yeah, Master of the House. house. I mean, it's not a Master bad song, but like house. you don't you don't you don't want to run to it. No, no, that's a you know? weird. Yeah, no, it's a skip. It's a skip, like Tango Maureen. Okay, so all right, my favorite last question, besides what you wanted to be when you grew up, is. Um, has translated in actually into a course that I teach now for the web, which is called the Brand Crush Project. I think so much about our job search and our job journey is a brand crush, right? It's yeah. it's a company that you have this crush on or a brand that you are inspired by. And that typically I've found in coaching dictates people's choices as to what they want to do, right? So sometimes your crush has to do with they're close to the house, right? So I have a crush on Forefront. I pass that every morning and I'm like, what goes on there? Like, I'm interested by them. I want to understand they have like this beautiful campus and they vote got voted like best place to work in in New Jersey. And I, I passed their building that just got redone. And so you might have a crush on something like that. You might have a crush on like a brand that you're just super inspired by, a, a you know, somebody that's doing work that's similar to yours. So do you have a brand crush? Um, because I'd love to share that and a company that you are inspired by or a, a brand that you think is doing things really well, or maybe helped you survive the pandemic in some way or a variety of things. And you can have more than one. Do you have any that yeah. you want to share? Yeah. I, it's, you think I know something from medically related. I mean, there's a ton of brands out there that are doing incredible things, but, um, there's a woman named Ashley Longshore and she's an artist Okay, and she's based in New Orleans and her art is unbelievable it is happy and weird and out there and she as a brand like her brand is bananas and she wears tutus and rainbow colors and she has a lot to say from like a political stance and a social stance and she uses her medium these large-scale paintings which I hope to be able to afford one day um and her presence online is hysterical like she's just Really shocked. I'll have to check her out. She's Ashley. Ashley Longshore, and she is just infectious. I mean, it's funny. So, so, you know, that picture you put up of me. In the I love that picture. Yeah. So, I'm a big tutu person. I think I've given a lot to my niece over the years, though, or I would have probably worn one today. But um, she is like embodies that 
feeling like when you wear a tutu it's just like silly and fun and she's just I love that so fantastic and i'll tell you a funny story about that tutu because that picture is of my linkedin photo right i should probably update it it's quite old but you know i was looking for a job and a recruiter had this great opportunity for me i had all the the background and the experience necessary and he calls me back and he says they don't want to move forward with you because you seem um, not so serious because of the tutu you're wearing in your LinkedIn photo. And you majored in theater and that just doesn't correlate. And I was like, I have, it was at that point, I had like 10 years experience and it was a a supervisor role or something. And I was like, it was this most shocking, I think, thing that's happened to me in like a career search that to get totally judged by a photo, right? And I think we've all experienced that to some degree, but it was just my kind of first run in because, you know, I'm qualified, right? You know, and that's, mm-hmm. I think that can be baffling for people. So it's, you know, I actually ended up cutting the photo. So you only see the top half. Um, and I hate that I did that, you know? No, hold, hold, right? hold, so, hold on a second. For, first and uh-huh. foremost, yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. And right. This might be this might be like the grand finale of our conversation. Yeah. So there is something to be said about a professional profile picture. I just want to make this yeah. clear. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is the in job search. I'm not speaking to Maggie, I'm speaking to the world. In job search, there is professional decorum that is expected and warranted. So there's back and forth, depending on which piece of the industry you're in. Sometimes people will give resumes with headshots on them. Traditional people looking, uh, traditional hiring managers don't want to see your headshot, Um, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then, of course, obviously, your social media profile should not have. And this we've talked about ad nauseum over the course of the last few years. You're looking for a job. Your social media profile should be pretty buttoned up. If you have a non-buttoned up, by the way, Ashley who has 670, 607K followers is private. I just had to request private. a follower. Private, you have to request a follower. Um, so the, my I point is, that. is that, and, that, and that is because her site, it actually says is explicit. So my point in general is if you have something going on on your social media, like I might have done back in the day when I was in the bars in Williamsburg and not didn't have them documented, That should not be available for anyone to see. However, however, I now insert the dot, dot, dots. We are now living in a time where it is no longer okay Mm -hmm. to say that something is not that okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You being judged for your personality choice in your LinkedIn profile could be, by the way, taken in a very strange way in the dialogue we're all living in, in this moment. However, I would say to you that most of the negative feedback I got on me in my whole life came from women. Mm, Yeah. And speaking not so nicely to women, which was always my story. But net net, rather than getting caught up in the fact that job search for better or for worse is filled with microaggression judgment. Yeah. Okay. Talking about the acai bowl words of the moment, but mm-hmm. also the big picture. You don't want to work at a company that doesn't like your tutu. Right. 
right yeah I'll judge I you right back yeah i judge you right back talk to me you're not even gonna want to like look at all my my experience it was so but, but that, that dna and that culture was not for you as That's jamie not. likes to say you've tripped into the wrong sorority meeting yeah. at the end of the day yeah. we are supposed to be with the people that feel comfy yeah. so if something like that happens it's not a no it's more yeah. of a like thank you i don't want to work for you anyway and they came back to me like three years later and were like we want you and tried to bring me over and i told them of the experience and i was like i just it's you're it's like a, i wear tutus I and I'm never going to not wear my tutu. So yeah. if you don't like and, tutus, and, you're not for me. And case in point, when you're on the job search, yeah. these things are memorable. I actually have to have a conversation later this afternoon. And I look very much forward to be able to chime in with the memory I have of the person that needs my help right now. Yeah. Because mm. guess what? Yeah. I remember. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. And you know what? We pay it forward. And I wouldn't want to work for somebody. I wouldn't want to work for a place that would not have been down with my tutu. Now, you know, in my career, we've been asked many, many times, many, many times from does that nose ring, can it just be a stud Yeah. Um, to, by the way, so-and-so is not wearing their mask correctly. Sure. Can you intervene and tell them to wear their mask better? I mean, the things that we do mm -hmm. or we have to educate for. Yeah. It's yeah. it's interesting. It's a it real is. interesting thing. But but if you were going to simplify life in general, like, let's just give it one big sentence. You don't want to work for anyone that doesn't like your tutu. No. Right. Right. I mean, you got to be able to be yourself. Yes. You know, that's, that's what yeah. And that's the best job. advice. I think that's, that's a great way to end our conversation because I think the best advice we can give a job seeker anytime and and here you heard it here first from maggie you know is to advocate for yourself to be yourself i think we're living in a world now where it's more okay to bring our full selves to work um i may or may not be wearing pants you know you don't even know right so like for example there were there was somebody that told me the other day they were on an interview and the um the hiring manager asked them to stand up and I don't know why. And the person wasn't wearing proper bottoms. And it's just a really interesting world we're living in. And if we can leave you with any message today, it is my favorite mantra, which is very overused and extremely cliche, but it really is one of my favorites, which is everything. Everything happens for a reason. Everything. So it's so hard as you're going through the things like what? But like if someone doesn't like your tutu, you're not meant to work for that person. So so happy to have you here today, Maggie, and share your story. So I'm hoping it was, it was as fulfilling for you as it was for us. I think we find that our guests, especially those that are not resistant, you weren't resistant, but a little bit more like, who wants to hear my story? They find our guests tend to tell us after the fact, no pressure, um, that in a way it was healing for them. It's super fun to talk about your story. It's not one something you do very often, I'm guessing. So, um, so happy to have you here today, Maggie, to share that story as the professional storyteller that you are for our What's Your Story episode. Thank you to our sponsors um, at the Mammoth Moms. Thank you to our sound at a shared universe. And thank you for being here. This was so lovely. This was a ton of fun. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you. I, I, I promise to follow up. I will follow up with you with the few things that I mentioned later today or tonight, including tennis. 
Awesome. Sounds good. And okay. I, we have another one in our inbox right now that we have to go look at somebody that's interested in meeting you. Nice. So, so happy. Yeah, literally, literally multiple people. So, and that just goes to show you energy, good energy attracts good energy, positive conversation. It's just, we are just so weighed down by the boatload of negative. Yeah, yeah. I agree. This is awesome. So awesome to be have careful. such a don't, don't take those stairs two, two at a time and heels. <laughs> yeah. Be careful of those stairs behind you, Maggie. Thank you, Ming. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Maggie. Thank you, guys. Every day that we leave with light as the dream catchers is made possible by our parent company, Partners in Crime, Choice Fashion and Media, Division of Choice Associates, where we've been putting people to work since 1974. So if you're looking for work or you're looking for people to work for you, check mm -hmm. us out, www.choicepersonnelinc.com.